great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to do rhyme it. Just that's where he just after Ooh, ran down. Everybody, I like that. Everybody. Amazing. I'm not going to remember any of it. That's good. That's the way to go. All over the Rams today and ram it. I mean, now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. Ram What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show, Nick. And Nick, it's 49ers week. We prepared for this team time and time again, but this year it feels a little bit different because we're coming off of last week. But first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? Good. I'm in a suicide pool this year, or survivor pool, I should say. And a lot of my friends are texting me their picks because I'm the commissioner, and every single one is 49ers. 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 Of course it is. We'll see. We'll see. You know, I mean – for them to upset Seattle at home, and then if you can win two divisional games in a row, I mean, you know, the Niners seem to be the cream of the crop of the NFL right now, but that's usually a great time to be knocked off of, off of a pedestal. Yeah, you want to be able to uh, obviously keep some of the 49ers fans out of the stadium. Hopefully that is not the not gonna happen. Cool narrative gonna within the conversation. Right, I mean, because like, that's never, it's never going to change. It's, yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of San Francisco 49ers fans that live within Los Angeles, and that's not going to change for the time being. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the divide is and see how much of the national media storyliners catered around how many 49ers fans are in SoFi Stadium again. But, Nick, Sean McVay, 1-8 against Kyle Shanahan. I'm looking at the numbers. Matthew Stafford is one and four against the 49ers with the Rams. Um, so, it's, of course, it's a very difficult start when it comes to the regular season. You got two really difficult divisional round games uh, in in the Seahawks and the 49ers. I'm thinking to myself, what could we have started with the Cardinals? Could we have gotten the Cardinals in the first couple of weeks, get a layup to get us started? So this 49ers team, they look like they're going to be the cream of the crop in the NFC. Right now, Nick, they're the current favorites to win the Super Bowl, plus 650. The Eagles are behind them, and I think the Chiefs are behind them, right, both at plus 700. Um, so talking about cream of the crop, crop, talk about Brock Purdy. You could have a debate on who's the best quarterback within the division or within the conference all you want. But fact of the matter is Matthew Stafford and Brock Purdy are both coming off of two of the best weeks that starting quarterbacks had in week one of the regular season. And Brock Purdy in the San Francisco offense is coming off of a 30-7 to victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers where – they just seem to win in every single phase. Now, yeah. you, whether you watch the game live, you watch the highlights, every single phase it seemed that San Francisco was in control and was very, very dominant uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you look week to week, you look team to team, matchup to matchup, and, and this one looks a little bit more difficult than the last week. It was a disgusting game to watch. I was watching it with a Steelers fan, and she actually turned it off about halfway through. And I Don't blame her. It, if you watched um, the game and like saw it on the red zone, it was the third quarter and the stands were like half empty. You know, yeah. that's not guys that's going to just sit there uh, for mediocrity. But you go into that game, the Steelers are like, you know, plus one. People are thinking that they have a real shot. And I mean, you know, I think we'll learn more about this game later as the weeks develop and we see who the Steelers really are um, and who the Niners really are. But 
that that win might not that, that at the end of the day might not being that end up being that impressive for them. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and everything Nick, worked out well. The ball bounced their way. Kenny Pickett threw them a couple. They had yeah. some great defensive schemes, but you know, I mean, yeah, Brock Purdy nine for ten. Kyle Shanahan doesn't ask him to do a lot, really, and I don't think he was really asking him to do a lot in that game either. Like even on the fourth and one early, like their first you know chance, like they Steelers stop them. It's the first quarter. At zero zero, and they run a fourth and one play, and they don't run it with CMC, but he did a little dump off to uh, George Kittle. Yeah, on tight end seven yards. It was like the easiest throw ever. Like, you know, even in tough situations, Shanahan's going to scheme up something great, and who knows him better than somebody that you know came from his tree and you know has worked with him like throughout the throughout the ages. Regardless of our record against them, I, you know, I feel pretty good going into this game. Yeah, and I think when you go back to Brock Purdy for a second, he completed 9 of 10 for 151 yards and two touchdowns when he was targeting the intermediate, which is 10 to 19 air yards, in the 49ers week one win over the Steelers. And when you finish with a completion percentage over expected of plus 28.5 on such attempts, all that means is that nobody was expecting you to be able to achieve that many air yards, that, that high of a completion percentage. Um, when you're targeting receivers in the intermediate area and on, on such attempts, that's the high, highest single game passing mark to an intermediate uh, space on the field since week 16 of 2020 on a minimum of 10 attempts. So Brock Purdy hit the, the bare minimum there, but that stat is, is via next-gen stats. And that's the area of focus for Brock Purdy in terms of his progression. And where Kyle Shanahan wants to see him shine is that intermediate spot of the field, not being able to just complete the short area spots of the field, the, those you know, fourth and one tight end screens to George Kittle, but to be able to complete some passes down the field. And to me, when you see a little bit of Brandon Ayuk and you see the, the career progressions he's been able to make, eight receptions on eight targets for 129 yards and two touchdowns. He's also a great blocker in the run scheme. He's a great blocker downfield. And he's turned into a legitimate weapon for them. But it's going to be a combination of Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, had a quiet five receptions for 55 yards and a couple of carries. But to me, we saw a variation. And, Nick, this is going back to what you said. We saw what the 49ers offense looks like when they have a legitimate lead. This game got off to a roaring start. They scored on their first three possessions, and they're playing freely. And you see Brock Purdy be able to kind of sit back there and dice up the defense a little bit on that intermediate to deeper uh, air yard attempts. And, you know, to me, that's where it's so interesting. It's not just the easy completions and the, the guaranteed positive gainers that they get with George Kittle and, and Debo. But to me, like that could be a little bit of a shift in terms of what you see with the offense if it's a closer game because they can be one-dimensional. But when it gets a little bit closer, I think they're going to put the ball in their shorthanded playmakers in Debo Samuel and George Kittle. So you may see a little bit of turning of the tide there. You may not see as many targets to Brandon Ayuk down the field, um, but it's only it only may be because of how the game is going and progressing and uh, some of the things that are happening on the field. So – Nick, I think you made a really good point. Like they picked off Kenny Pickett early in this game. They gave their offense really, really great field position. And then on their second possession, which they blew the lead open 10-0 on a Jake Moody field goal before the Steelers could even really build any momentum offensively. And then the defense just continuously getting off the field, gave the offense three series in the first quarter. And there's 17 points right there. So that's why Steelers fans left the building, right? Because you're, yeah. you, you know, Kyle Shanahan's offense was on full display. When the team yeah. is up 17 nothing, oh. And, you know, even with, uh, you know, Watt down there, they couldn't really get any uh, disruption, which is hopefully, yeah. you know, with Aaron Donald's first game up against Brock Purdy, 
um, you know, hopefully we get a little more than than they did. And I think if you can start to blow these things up, um, also a big part of what you know kept the 49ers in this game, like you said, when they can um, just like you know slowly push the pace of the game and let the clock run out, they're going to be able to do that because they have so many you know great small short plays and great running backs that can do that. You have to be able to go toe for toe on scoring. And I, you know, I believe that our offense is going to be you know, have more of a fight than what uh, the Steelers had. But yeah, I mean, like you said, this 49ers defense—they are no joke. I, no, I think yeah, if, they, if they do win the Super Bowl, I think it's going to be one of those low-scoring Super Bowls this year. Yeah, and I mean, no, no, it's a big it's call a, for them to go all the way there. I hope they don't. It's a really good, I mean, the favorite to go all the way at this point. But I mean, like to your point with the the way that the defense plays, like getting, being able to pick off Kenny Pickett early, getting him rattled earlier on in the first quarter. And then because the Steelers were constantly playing from behind, they completely abandoned the run, which I mean, they only finished the game with 10 carries between Najee Harris and a couple of other backs. And it's because the 49ers defense knew that if they forced him to be one dimensional and play from behind, Kenny Pickett couldn't do that. Kenny Pickett couldn't throw the ball 49 times and beat the San Francisco defense consistently, possession after possession, when trailing. Um, and, and I think that that's what they identified early on. They were like, if we could establish ourselves, we could win at the line of scrimmage, we could constantly play downhill, which this 49ers team is very, very much capable of doing, that's when they're going to be a problem. But, Nick, you could also go back to Brock Purdy. For all the, what the numbers have to say, the QBR and the next-gen stats, he fumbled twice. And it's his first go around with Aaron Donald. And, you know, you expect the Rams' defensive line to be swatting at the football when they're anywhere near Brock Purdy. And it's it's absolutely a way that they're going to be able to generate turnovers in a big spot when he holds on to the football for a little bit too long. And Kyle Shanahan asks him to do a little bit more than what he's capable of doing. Yeah. And, you know, all, all things considered, last time he went up against a fierce defensive line, um, he didn't finish the game. And I'm, you know, I'm not – asking them to do anything like that but you know get him to a point where he's flustered and he's scared and you know you hit him up a lot and you know we don't even really know who he is yet as a quarterback the, the you know the word is still out especially after Geno Smith had a magical season last year and then yeah. can't even generate like seven yards in the second half of a <laughs> of a divisional game so there's really really like as much as everybody wants to champion the Niners as winning the MC West already, there is a lot left for them to prove. And I think they know that, but I don't think, you know, the general media is really talking about it. No. Yeah. I mean, so that that's where I think you're going to see a lot of comparisons. Like when the 49ers play the Seahawks, you might see a very similar game in terms of how it unfolds in the first couple of possessions. Like the Steelers started this game, punt, interception, punt, 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 total of negative nine yards through five series. So this game being over before it even started, that defense being as suffocating as it is, you know, it's an opportunity for Seattle to be able to display it against teams that are less competent for teams that are like-minded like the Los Angeles Rams who are going to be able to put a product on the field that I think is going to be very similar to what we saw in week one with a couple of different dimensions and maybe a scaled-back version of the pass game, maybe a little bit more emphasis on the run game, even though I don't think they could help themselves. It's going to be interesting to see how they game plan where they could identify matchups. Is it going to be 15 targets to Puka Nakua? Are you going to throw another 13 to 2-2 Atwell? 
or are you going to be able to win on defense and and just be able to hold on to the football and now possess the 49ers? I, a lot of people are also texting me and asking if like, Hey, I'm like number one on the waiver wire. Should I pick up Puka? And I mean, immediately I'm like, yeah, why not? Because especially if you have Cooper cup, like you pick up somebody that can be like his immediate replacement. Stafford's yeah. not going anywhere. He's going to continue throwing really nice balls to these young guys. Um, and in the meantime, why don't you pick them up? But I think the Niners are going to, you know, they're going to treat him like he's Cooper cup in this game. Yeah. So I would expect more love for, 2-2, um, maybe even a little Skoranek action here or there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have a question. Do you, do you see a world where, like, what's more likely? We go in at home, we go in home, and we win, or the Niners blow us out? I think it's more than likely that we win versus getting blown out. Um, I, I think the the differentiators between both teams is getting a little bit blurry. I feel like within that first week, when you saw the run scheme, you saw some of the pulling guards, you saw some of the 12 personnel, heavier packages, being able to commit yourself to that is the Mike LaFleur effect. You know, being able to bring that like-minded San Francisco offense to the table is going to be a little bit confusing for the defense because it's not what they're accustomed to seeing from the Rams. You know, you're accustomed to seeing Matthew Stafford in empty, dropping back and and waiting for a play to develop down the field while Nick Bosa is a free rusher. So, you know, to me, I think that the lines are going to get a little bit more blurry because that's what the Rams prioritized over the offseason was being able to win at the line of scrimmage, being much bigger and stronger up front to be able to protect themselves, especially Matthew Stafford from guys like Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead and Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. And like, I mean, these guys, they were ridiculous in the last game against Penny, Kenny Pickett. You know, the Hargrave had five pressures. Jackson had five pressures. Armstead, Bosa, Farrell, Kinlaw all had three. Uh, Hyder and Bryant and Greenlaw had two. And then Warner and Gibbons had one. Total of 30 pressures on how many dropbacks? 48? Like, what are we yeah. talking about here? These, these players in terms of personnel, that to me is where you'll see a difference between both, both teams is some of the key personnel and some of those key positions like Edge, like in Nick Bosa. You know, the difference between Byron Young and Nick Bosa it is quite large. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's where you see the mismatches. My and you're missing, you're missing one of your best players in Cooper Cup. So. Right, right. I mean, my thought here is if the Rams can get a win, it truly does feel like sky's the limit with this team, which is what's so exciting right now, especially after week, you know, week one coming in with the, with the W and you're sitting here and you're like, I think there's a real shot that they can, they can pull this thing off. Um, but I mean, truly, like if the Niners are being championed as this amazing team, maybe the Rams can find some holes and, and expose them and get a win. And all of a sudden, you know, people are talking about us winning the NFC West, which nobody would have saw coming. Yeah, I feel like it's much more difficult to dissect what the 49ers' weaknesses are after they blew out a team on the road 30 to 7. Their kicker, who was in jeopardy of starting the first regular season game, had a really, really shaky preseason in Jake Moody. Ended up going three for three, 41, 32, and 40 all hit, and he was three for three on extra points. So I'm looking, you know, special teams, they gave up a decent amount of coverage yards in the punt game, and they've been a little bit shaky year over year in terms of special teams, so a potential opportunity for us to, to win there if we can be steady week over week, although we only punted once last week and the coverage was piss poor. So we'll see how that unfolds. 
But I mean, you're looking at guys like change year over year, Javon Hargrave from Philly to pair with Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa, losing Jimmy G, getting that drama out of the building, getting rid of, of Trey Lance, getting rid of a, a trading for a fourth round pick with Dallas, signing Sam Darnold. They re-signed safety Tayshawn Gibson. They didn't make it too many other splashy moves. They signed uh, John Feliciano and defensive end Austin Bryant, Kalel and Farrell um, to help rush the passer. But like the way that they approached the draft, the way that I think they approached free agency looks a little similar to the way that the Rams approached the draft and free agency, right? I mean, like the two worlds are starting to collide for better or for worse. And I think the main difference between the two counterparts in Shanahan and, and Sean McVay is I won a Hall of Fame quarterback and I can win with Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, I that the, the whole Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy piece of it is it could be the collapse of Kyle Shanahan indefinitely because, I mean, I, let's say that they absolutely were going for Matthew Stafford. Maybe they didn't offer enough, this, that, and the other thing. His desire to win with one of those guys, like, you know, just like a Jimmy G, and then it's like, oh, Jimmy G wasn't enough. Maybe I need to trade up and get Trey Lance, and that didn't work out. So now we have this kid who we're just going to trust because he's similar enough to Jimmy G where it's, you know, he's got no mental issues. We just need him to do what we ask him to do. That may not be enough. That I mean, we've seen it. You get there to the big game. That's what everybody's mark on Jared Goff was. It's the, the guys like that and Jimmy G, they can get you there, but they can't get you over the top. And, you know, hopefully, in our case, the Niners don't even get there again. But that might be, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this case. game. I'm looking at this game like if we do win, I'm seeing a stat line of Brock Purdy that's like two interceptions. Two interceptions and a fumble return for a touchdown. Right, something like that. Yeah. Love that. Absolutely love that. you got to be able to force the quarterback to turn the ball over. And I think that's the going to be – how does the Kyle Shanahan saga end? If they would have brought in Aaron Rodgers and he tears his Achilles in San Francisco, like does that give him a longer grace period because he went out and jeopardized a couple of first-round picks for a proven Hall of Famer versus going out and jeopardizing first-round picks for Trey Lance and Christian McCaffrey? I wonder if – if there is talk in that building, like if Shanahan gets them to a playoff game and they lose week one, if there is serious talk in San Francisco, like, I don't know if this is our guy. And also, like, the bill is coming up. They did all the same things. They signed. Yeah. They just got Bosa. He's now paid higher than Aaron Donald. Next year, they're going to have to start losing some guys because the money, you know, they're going to be in cap hell, as these kids like to say. So – so what you I'm know, saying, the lines are, are getting a little more blurry, which to me yeah. is a reason why I feel like this game is going to be much, much closer than we think it is. I think maybe a one-point spread is appropriate. Rams at home. The Rams will never get a one-point spread, Nick. You could probably get me up to date on the line in this game. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell it to you soon. It's part of my picks. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's how it, it looks this year. I mean, if you can get through this game, you could end up on top. You're 2-0 in the division. Your season's off to a hell of a start. Yeah, and then it starts to get a little lighter. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, yeah, Bengals, Monday night, a little extra rest day. Bengals don't even look really good right now. Then the Colts, and then the Eagles. But Eagles who just placed their starting uh, uh, linebacker who wears the green dot, N'Kobe Dean, on injured reserve, would likely be missing the Rams game. So, you know – these little things will potentially trickle out and give us any matchup advantages. Um, and the Bengals, if they don't come into their own, 
they know that the Rams have their number. And then the Colts, <laughs> the season starts off 4-0. What the hell does anybody know about football? I have to yeah, be honest. I mean, I don't know. Because the win the win loss for the Rams was sitting at 6.5. And, a half, and I, was like, I, I was like, I can't do that. So if they somehow pull off 4-0, I might, <laughs> I might just cry. Well, I think it's time to transition over to everybody's favorite segment, Nick's Picks. Nick's Picks? Is that what we're doing right now? I think that's what we're doing right now. Is there a theme song? Is there a Yeah, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before, before we get to that, Nick's Picks, week two. Last week, out of our five bets that we gave you, we won a bet. One out of five. <laughs> Not ideal. Not an ideal start to the season. Um, but I don't know if you're... Longtime fans of Rams Brothers the Pod will know that last year, whenever we did Nick's Picks, we had a qu- fun, quick little theme song. Not sure if anybody's asking for these to return or not, uh, but I did make one this week. The producers called me and they were like, "I, you know, I, I got this sick beat. I think you can, uh, I think you can sample it." And I was like, "All right." So I figured we'd do one, maybe every now and then, maybe every week if it's fun. If it's universally panned by everybody, I will stop. So the audience, I'll I'll let you be the judge. Uh, so we have a quick little theme song to get us started. Life is like a twister here on Rams Bros. Gambling on the outcomes. Watch me decompose. Maybe this time's different. We'll rewrite history on Nick's Picks. A woohoo! Every Sunday out here making Nick's picks. A woohoo! But don't bet it's on anything that Dean says. A woohoo! <laughs> Not cool. Not a cool ending. Sorry. I thought you said but my picks were good last year. They were. They were all right. I mean, it was a terrible Van Jefferson pick to start the season. I mean, and I didn't know Puka Nakua was going to get 15 targets. I thought Van Jefferson was going to get at least five or six more. And I'll tell you what, he would have walked into the effing end zone if he would have caught that ball down the sidelines. I know. I know. Anyway, so, that's so how get started. Dean, regardless of what the song said, do you have a pick for us? I got to go Puka Nakua anytime touchdown score. I mean, they're going to throw the ball to him when he's in the end zone. They they try. They gave him a couple targets when he was in the end zone in this previous yeah. game. He's got to be the go-to weapon again. Yeah, I, I mean, I you could. You, I don't think you can go wrong with the two-two out well anytime touchdown scorer either. But those will be my two guys. I really. I mean, I I don't know where your scronic love has gone, but I think I I think I might have found it over here. <laughs> All right, that's what you're going to take. Feel free. No, no. So I'm going to get started. Um, focus on Rams later. We got Vikings at Philly Thursday night game. Philly has been sort of a house of horrors for these Vikings over the last couple of years. Case Keenum goes in there and gets demolished in the NFC Championship game in 2018. Then last year, the quirky Kirk Cousins goes in there on a Monday night and gets absolutely mollywopped. Now, I don't like Eagles fans, but I do like that one video that surfaced during that uh, NFC Championship game all those years ago. With that kid, he's go like, birds. yeah, and he's like, go birds, like talking to a clear Minnesotan mom who's got to get back home to her casserole. Uh, and this kid's like under 21. Like, <laughs> I, it's ridiculous. Um, but regardless of that, I, I really like that. I don't really like what I saw from either team last week. 
Uh, both of them looked really ugly. It was like, you know, it's week one, so you want to put things aside. But unders, when it's a national televised game, are 3-0 and already. I'm going to take under 48. And we're also going to pair that with Eagles minus seven, a return to form game at home. The fans are going to be going crazy. The atmosphere is going to be electric. And we'll be happy when both of those cash. I'm saying 21 to seven, easy under. Crispy Eagles win. Yeah. 21 to seven Eagles, under 47 Eagles minus seven. Sounds good. You got a score prediction in there too. You got the spread. You got the over under. You got it all. Got it all. I agree. Eagles always beat the Vikings. Yeah, Eagles will always beat the Vikings. Maybe just take the money line if you're feeling too scared. Bears and Bucks. Maybe just parlay all these money lines. Um, I think Bears fans are going to be looking at this game and they're going to say, that was a humiliating loss. Um, I'm, I want to hammer this Bears money line against Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. Um, and I think that's – you couldn't be more wrong though, with that call. That's not how this works. You cannot bet with your heart. Bears looked horrendous. The Bucks D looked ferocious. Like, incredible. The game plan against Fields is easy to exploit if you stack the line, which is where the Bucks thrive. I think a better team than the Vikings, who aren't going to have such inflicting turnovers, can kind of tear up that Bucks secondary because Jefferson went off. Um, but I, that's not the Bears. That is not who the Bears are. We all know who Justin Fields is. He has not proven he can go deep with the ball. He's proven that when the play breaks up, he's going to try to get it with his feet. But I think that's exactly what the Bucks are built for. This is my favorite bet of, uh, of the week. I'm taking Baker's Tampa Bay Bucks. Money line over the Bears in Tampa, 26 to 19. The Bucks embarrass the Bears. 26 to 19. Baker's Bucks. Yeah. Trying to get the banner up there. Well That's done, Nick. I like yeah, that. Bat, yeah, banner's not how, about, how about Baker's Bucks being 2 and 0? I mean, if that's the case, that is a hell of a start to the season to one of the teams that I originally believed would be one of the worst in the league. They could be one of those teams where it's like, you know, it's like week 10 and you're like, wait, they have like a 500 record? What's going on here? Hey, you know? if that's the case, Baker Mayfield earned himself a lot more money. Yeah, well, he, you know, you know how we feel about Baker here. Also, I realized that 17, my Robert Woods jersey that I made into a Baker Mayfield jersey, easy Puka Nakua jersey. There, there you go. Put some tape over it. <laughs> Put some tape over my Baker tape. It's a shame that it's a bone jersey. It'll eventually be you know, thrown extinct. into the wall. The bone are going to go extinct next year when the Rams unveil a tie-dye colored jersey. <laughs> it's going to be a fossil, so you do whatever the hell you want with it. All right, so moving on, we got Dolphins at New England. New England actually looking pretty good against the Eagles, but I'm not buying that hype just yet. I'm, however, fully in on Team Tua. If you ask Dean... I always have been. I've been the leader of the tour to a charge back in 2020. Isn't that right, Dean? That's right. It's correct. I don't think he's good enough to win you a Super Bowl. I think he's Jimmy G, Jared Goff, but it's okay. I, I could not disagree more. Dolphins okay. beat New England. It's just what they do. I'm sorry to myself who placed the New England over seven and a half wins future at the start of the season because after this week, it's not going to be looking good. Um, but Tyreek – is a god amongst hunks. I think they're going to light up this abysmal path secondary. They're going to be saying, Mac who? Bill Bellow where? They're going to be saying, Tua Tagovailoa. 
That's not my cell phone. That's yours. <laughs> Thirty-nine twenty. Fins up. Dolphins win. All right. Is that all three of your picks? Do we have more? But that was four. I don't, if you, I don't think you're paying don't attention. Dolphins can score thirty-nine points against they the New England Patriots. Up like thirty-six against 36. the Chargers. Yeah, it's just Brandon Staley's and, and the Chargers. Yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on with that defense. He was great in 2000, 2020 uh, with the Rams. I don't know what happened uh, over the past couple of seasons, but regardless, we'll see. So we got Eagles minus seven, under 48 and a half, Eagles, Vikings, Bucks money line, Dolphins money line, and my quick pick. It's sitting right now, Rams plus eight, the disrespect for our Rams. Plus eight? Come on, we're home. That's- that's weak. I can't believe yeah. we're eight. Super weak. I mean, maybe you go four and a half if you want to be disrespectful. I'm thinking maybe closer to three and a half. But everybody still believes that the Rams aren't a real team, so we shall see. It also opened at seven, and I think a bunch of people bought it for San Francisco. So now yeah. it's at eight, which is really good news for us because if everybody's all over the Niners, that's just, you know, Vegas always wins. Yeah, why would you be buying up a seven-point spread? I guess they figure it's SoFi North or whatever brink they call it. Yeah. Regardless, go Rams. Levi South, I think is what they call it. Or kick some ass. Yeah. Or do. Do to beat this team finally. Make sure that you guys, before you do anything else, make sure that you... Like and subscribe. Continue to be with us for this movement. Continuous growth. Hopefully we keep stacking wins. And we love you guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you at the Eagles-Rams game where Dean and I will both be in attendance. Hell yeah. Go that's Rams. My, that's my call to tell Dean to buy the tickets now. That's, my, that's, our, that's our call to the fan base to make sure that you're at that game so that we can party our asses off before it starts. Mm. I'm bringing the Shoot. camera in. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Peace. Go Rams.